Are you, are you recording? Yeah, I started oh, recording. The recording is. The recording's going. Yes, you've done my mic for me. We're gonna do a couple things. So let's see. I need to do this. Okay, some some updates. I figure today because. I had wonderful conversations with friends that I decided not to record. And that was okay, right, Maggie? You're, you're like my conscience. Yes, Lyle. It's okay that you didn't record. It's okay. Can you make sure you keep your mouth in front of the microphone? Sorry. <laughs> this, is, this is why I was made for behind the scenes. Okay, so we're going to go through the episodes we've done so far. 15 episodes already. Today is the 16th. Is that right? Today is the 16th. So I'm like officially halfway done right here because it's 31 days in January. So 15 and a half. There you go. Not that I'm counting it down. I've enjoyed every single conversation. It's been, it's actually changing my life a bit. It is. Do you feel like it's been fun to connect with these people? It's been amazing. It's been like, it really has been life changing and engaging. It's also feels like a a war beat, you know, like a, a death march. I know that's an overused term, but... Death march. Maybe that's not the right word. I know, it seems it's, really... It's, it's a joyful toil. Sure. So I thought halfway point, what we do is I just do some mental notes on, a, on the episode so far. Things to catch up, things like that. Does that okay. sound like interesting? Sure. Okay. So I've got the list in front of us. We started with Adriana talking about connection. The thing that's really cool about this is I told Adriana about fun a day, this idea of doing something every day. And that kind of started the process. And I thought, oh, I could interview her first because I'm doing this podcast. And so she decided to do a ukulele thing every day. You, or, no, banjo. Sorry, banjo. Oh, my God. No. So Am I add that up? No. You might have to. I don't know. but Banjo. But what was really interesting was you guys were talking about, has it been hard to learn the banjo? Right. And all of a sudden, then you're interviewing her about learning the banjo. I think that's how it came along. Or that's yeah, how it I, well, seemed like. I actually, I mean, here's a bit of the magic. We'll pull back the curtain a little bit. Okay. Um, I talked to Adrian. She, she's been practicing the banjo for a while and taking lessons. All that. And you can hear about that in the first episode. We talked quite a bit about it. But I suggested to her, I said, how about you actually write a theme song for this podcast I'm doing? You did. And I'll interview you and you can play it and then become the theme song. So she knew a day before that that was going to happen. So she'd already had it. That kind of worked out, I think. But the important thing. Oh, no, that's a different podcast I have. The important thing about this is that Adri's actually been writing a song every day, the entire That's uh, been January. her fun a day. Yeah. And she's not, and, you know, fun a day is whatever makes you comfortable and it works for you, right? So for her, she's not trying to publish this and put it on the internet and all that, um, which is fine. Totally okay. We get to hear them, though. Right. She's not even necessarily recording all of them, but she has just, I suggested to her just writing down, may I say this on the, po- on the podcast, just writing down the title of, of it so that she knows as a history, as a log that she has written that many songs. And we've been hearing them and they've been great. I really loved it. So Adriana, thank you for the surprise new song of fun or sad or intensity or cold. <laughs> today's I think was about cold. Was I haven't heard today's. Oh, it was yesterday's cold. Anyway, Adri, you're oh, awesome. Oh, the cold inspiring. song. Yes, I did hear the cold yeah, song. That was made two days ago. So that was Adriana. Of course, we talked with Wes for Action is the Antidote. He had some great ideas. I don't think I've talked with Wes since. I've seen a couple of hosts of his on online. He's busy working on his stuff and probably launching classes. I don't have a lot to say there. Question Your Perception was with Ben. I've got a lot of feedback from people about this episode. It really aligned with people um, with this idea that the way we perceive things is different. And since then, people bringing me uh, mental uh, 
optical illusions and stuff and showing me optical illusions. Really, I've really been trying to see if I can, um, you know, take the red pill, if you will, and see if I could see the black and white in the in the periphery. But I, I haven't been I, able I to either. filter that out. I guess my brain is really good at filling in the gaps. At fooling you. And I no, I wonder about that because um, being dyslexic, um, pretty painfully dyslexic, um, I know that the world looks different than how I'm perceiving it. So I'm constantly kind of doing a reshuffle anyway. Yeah. I'm wondering if my brain's just hyper reshuffle, hyper fill in. So the other person that's doing a creative endeavor every day is you for this year. I'm outing you. You're outing me. What are you doing every day? I'm journaling. And how's it going? It's definitely making me see some things differently. I'm not doing a lot of like pouring your emotions out onto the page sort of thing. There's a a method of journaling called the bullet journal uh, by writer Carol. Hang on just a second. We're having a problem with your microphone. Okay. Oh, okay. Let me see if I can fix it. Were you having the same problem with Pearl last night? Pearl. You said something went wrong with the board. Yeah. Okay. Uh, writer, be... writer Carol journaling. Writer Carol. He wrote the bull, the bullet journal, and um, or the bullet journal method. And um, you can go on Instagram or any of the online things and see a lot of very flowery and beautiful and and creative journals. Um, quote is, using this use this method. Yours but, is pretty attractive. I wouldn't say it's uh, flowery and beautiful, but it is very it, appealing. It, it got a little color this week, yeah. and that was that was a good thing for me. But what I really appreciate is a very fluid method. I have a bit of, yeah, I'm, I have an organizational issue, definitely. Challenge? Challenge. We'll call it a challenge. I write things in four different notebooks and somehow think that's going to help. So the idea when I began this was to try to consolidate where I put all my stuff. stuff. Notes. And the thing I loved about the method, which is you build yourself an index and so as you work through the journal, you're just constantly indexing things. And so therefore, and you can always find things. Yeah. That way, if you want to, like, pause on Thursday and doodle for four pages, you can do that and just pick up the rest of the week oh. on a different page. And you could just so next time index we'll... page, you know, 46, 47, 48 doodles. And then you can just continue to have doodle reference. But more than that... <laughs> It's sort of a very unintimidating idea of – so there's the kind of the method, the structure of it, and then there's the practice of it. And I've read the book, but I want to read the book again because I think the part that actually starts to morph how you look at your time is in the practice of it. There's a couple of phrases called like migration and review. And these processes give you a chance to evaluate about the choices you're making with your time. Got a realization about how much time uh-huh. you really have. That is a real eye opener. I can see, 
I always feel like, you know, when I fall into bed, there's a hundred things undone. Mm -hmm. And there really is a hundred things on my list undone. And by getting honest about it and putting it on paper, I can see that I'm, I am pretty much cramming every moment I can. It's not for lacking of doing things. It's just there's a lot on your list. There's just a lot on my list. And it was really became interestingly very apparent. I got sick on Thursday, not COVID, like a regular cold gang, wild. So my list just, everything just stopped at noon when I crawled into bed and said I can't do anymore. Yeah. And that was really interesting to look at the rest of the the previous week and then about how much you did each day and all of that it changed a lot. And how I had to scale back. Yeah. But also how much I, I still did, you know, sick. I still managed to do two or three loads of laundry a day and I still managed I to. <laughs> this is making me feel so bad. In my mind, I'm like, oh, wow. Everybody now knows that Lyle's totally slacking. Maggie's no. sick for two days and I did, I did some no. things. But. You, you know, you got everybody fed and you did like I, I crawled into bed on Thursday and that was that. Yeah. Were the children so, alive at the end of the day? <laughs> yes, they were. Was, were they thank fed? Thank you for such the low bar. Thank you. Bar. <laughs> thank well, you for the low bar, man. It's my low bar. <laughs> well, so the journaling you're doing every day, do you think you're going to stick with it? I think so. I think what I'm looking forward to is I kind of can see how the practice of this process is already starting to kind of change my brain on how I look at time to-dos, my life, my energies. I really like this concept, although I have yet to actually do it, which is when you have migrated a task multiple times and maybe you just sit there and say... Migrating means like you're trying to do it Tuesday and then you're trying to do it Wednesday and then you try to do it Not Thursday. Not so much like, that, but it's like you tried to do it in... So I was looking back in November when I started to kind of read the this. book mm-hmm. and I started kind of just on... Just Loose trying it on the four different journals you had, that kind of thing. Yeah, like I was just trying to say, oh, say so. How does this work? And you know, I don't have to do a pretty journal or anything. And um, there are things that I wrote down in November when I was just reading the book and kind of going along mm-hmm, and seeing mm-hmm. how the system worked that are still on my to do list. Okay, so what happens with those? Well, I think that you have to sort of sit and get real with yourself about: Do I need to do this? Do I need to hire somebody else to do this or Mm -hmm. can I delegate this task? It needs to get done. Right. So instead of it just floating, you actually see it floating. You're more aware that it's being postponed and then you have to really assess, well, why is it being postponed and what's the meaning of it and should we think it? Is it important? Yeah. And also, you know, I'm throwing everything in there. And so I'm not having as many of those feelings of, oh, the what am I forgetting? Right. Those were expletives I didn't say. I've been doing, I've kind of taken on this idea of getting things done, which is a methodology for managing. I've got apps for it and stuff. And that is the biggest thing for me about it is that once I put it in that system, I know that I don't have to keep it on my mind because the system will actually help me remember it. That's crucial. I find there's something really interesting happening in my brain, though, because I'm writing it. On paper. On paper every day or every other day or, and then... You know, tomorrow morning I'll sit down and I will evaluate all the undone tasks and I will reorg the week and I will figure out how to do it. And I am definitely getting more done. It's it's really hard. Like there's this section called a habit tracker 
And there are things that I want to incorporate in my life. Like exercise and taking a walk with your husband, that kind of stuff? Well, yeah, exercise. But for example, I'm trying to think of something. Okay. So on my, I like to sew. I, I do enjoy it very much. But for me, any creative endeavor, there's the boot up time. And so I need a good, solid, maybe four hours to do a to to get into sewing because literally the first 40 minutes is organizing organizing and thinking and Clearing, grounding cleaning and cleaning off your table cleaning off my table <laughs> cleaning off you know things off my sewing table so how like does that. that have to do with habit um it's not just habits it's habits you want things you want to make a habit uh-huh. i think that's a better way so i put on you know kind of the typical ones which is exercise meditate do some yoga And then I put down some things that I really love to do because I find in my life I don't spend enough time doing the things that fill up my bucket. Like sewing. Like sewing or um, gardening, gardening, crocheting. Right. You know. um, You do so many things. I know. Well, I mean, that touches on the harder subject, which is, you know, when I first started, it was like uh, just like me time. And then I started to break it down a little bit. And then I started to break it down more specifically so I could see the things I def- I think I definitely want to spend my time on. Mm-hmm. And there are some things that just don't get touched for three weeks, yeah. four weeks at a time. And that's sad. Or do I need to look at it as, well, do I need to prune my hobbies so other hobbies can flourish? I also nice, find things nice garden metaphor. There, thank Maggie. you. I also find that things have seasons mm. more not to take it out of the garden or into the garden. That's but, very much in the garden. I think it was seasonal. But and like crocheting, happens crocheting in the happens in the winter. Big time. Yeah. It does not happen this in the summer. I'm saying if we lived in a snowy environment, you would find fun things to do uh, in a snowy environment. Yeah. He's pitching New Hampshire. Guys. I'm not necessarily pitching New Hampshire. I love it here. We do love it here. Um, but, so that's called the bullet journal method, and it's created by... Writer Carol. There's a lot there, but the general take of it is to kind of... There's a lot there. So if you like go on Instagram or YouTube or anything, you're going to see these incredibly ornate and lots of people with lots to say. But if you actually go to Writer Carol and either watch his videos or read his book, um, I recommend the book. It's well-written and a comfortable read. You're definitely going to get... This very simple method that the evolution is, I think that eventually once I get into the more of the practice, it, it's less going to be my like crazy ass long to do list and more about reflections of the day. So mm. what I have found in the two months that I've been kind of working it, well, two and a half months that I've been working it is that I am getting more, not long flowery paragraphs, but, you know, at least a remembrance or two or uh reflections reflection yeah the learning aspect i think the habit tracker is an example of that too right because you'll be able to see over time how am i doing oh my or, gosh am I improving or i've yeah. been tracking my sleep and oh, that's that too. that's an eye-opener so i track my sleep with my watch because i sleep with my watch so they keep track of it right. and let me show you and you, you know the timing thing I'm doing all, all month so far? Yeah, so you've been tracking like how much time you're podcasting and working and yeah. programming and in meetings, so many meetings. I'm comparing meetings to programming for work, and I'm logging the three different podcasts I work on right now 
and then soon the important the uh, we are Netflix as well. And what I've you know the the biggest thing about that is that it's really taught me that if you know we've recorded for eighteen minutes, and if I really spent the serious time to edit this, it would take twice as long to edit it. And and that's only if I do a good job of it, and it's not too much work. But it can be three to four times as much editing. And I've always kind of known that. You and I have laughed about that in the past. But seeing it when I track it, it's so crystal clear. Like, yes, that's how long it takes. I can't remember that. But there was a couple years there where you were trying to produce geek. Uh, do you remember Geek Bits? Or yes, Geek, geek bites, bits. bits. Sure, Geek Bits, yeah. And they were supposed to be um, like two, two minutes, minutes yeah. two minutes, 30 seconds. And they were going to be dropped in to... Um, an NPR show of some sort. Yeah, they yeah. were going to be slated into the sections that they would leave for local content. And those were taking me two hours to, yeah. to get something really tight that would sound like they fit in, you know, in a morning edition or... Yeah. or um, oh, goodness, I just blanked <laughs> on the afternoon show's name. It's been years. It's been years. <laughs> But that it would have, it would be at the caliber and the pacing, the cadence of a morning edition show. Yeah. Like well, this podcast is not at that cadence. No, no, I'm blathering. Yeah, I'm officially blathering. <laughs> You're not blathering. But let's go on with the topic at hand. We are going through this oh, list. Okay. So, question your perception. So, Ben, a lot of thoughts about about perception. Oh my gosh, that was so good. Rebooting with softness, of course, was was Juco, and who called out you as a as somebody wonderful. Have you seen her since this? I have. seen seen her there was uh last summer when things didn't seem so dire we each year we would have a a celebration for uh the anniversary of the the studio yeah and um there was a a gathering in the park and um i got to see her then that's right you did that was awesome yeah other than that it's all been virtual um michael and i the the primogen uh, i keep on meaning to go on his uh strip his Twitch live and actually do a show with him. I'm intimidated and scary, but I've decided that I'm not going to do new endeavors until January's done. I'm doing Wait, you're this. intimidating or scary or that is contributing. I'm blah, intimidated blah, blah, blah. by going on to his live Twitch and trying to sound smart visually and by typing at the same time and programming and solving computer problems oh, at on the, the clock with an audience. On a clock with yeah. audience. Yeah. Like That's amazing. That is so many things at once. And then John and I, the, John's, the episode with John was um, John Compton, who recently lost his father and is taking care of his mom and, and moving her and the house and stuff. I've touched base a few times with him. He's been listening to the podcast. So hi, John. Um, that's been a, a blast to get in touch with a friend. That's, that was a beautiful. Yeah. He so this whole so, thing has been he amazing. He had so many thoughtful things to say about just being human. Yeah. And, you know, in our conversation, one of the things that's really stuck with me, and I've actually mentioned with Pearl, an episode yesterday with Pearl, was this idea that we don't have, we're not giving ourselves enough time to think. And that as a society, yeah. we're distracting ourselves out of, out of boredom or out of time to think. Give, you, you know what you I thought a lot about? <laughs> you know, though, but I think that's part of it. I think once I practice this process more, I think that taking the time to reflection, to write a task down you know, 30 yeah. times and to sit there and go, God, I've written this 30 times. What, why is this task in my life? What is it? What is it completing it do for me? Yeah. Should I be letting it go? Should I let somebody more competent just do it? I think also just in general, <laughs> having a book that has all the things in it means that when you're not doing the things, you're sitting down crocheting or having a cup of tea, 
you're not letting those bubble in your mind, which gives you more time to think. You know, it, it's just offloading the minutiae. Well, and I think that there was also reference to how we just, you know, we plopped down in the dentist chair and stared at our phone, right? Yeah. Or never... like waiting, like we're in the waiting room. It's no longer do we pause and look out the window and notice, oh, what kind of tree is that? Or I remember doing a copious amount of staring out of windows as a child, particularly in cars. Yeah. Just looking at the world. We then got went on to one of our first little uh, discussions. That was burning the onions. Burning uh-huh. onions. That was fun. Um, and then I had this most amazing conversation with my sister Marina, which has is the episode that I tell people, just you don't have to listen to all this stuff that I'm producing. It's too much for anybody to listen to. But do go listen to the Marina episode. And I even suggest that to you. I suggested it to, to one of my friends who's having a hard time. And they said, I understand why you've asked for me to see that, that that might help me. And I, I don't think it had the effect that you think it would. But let's talk about that. So he, he and I have not talked, spoken yet. But Interesting. You know, maybe it was more effective because it was my we, sister. I thought there was many, so many beautiful points that Marina brought up. And I thought what was interesting, what we talked about, at, we've talked about this podcast three or four or five times. like Every really, day. Every day. <laughs> but um, the one that kind of came up to for me right now was was the concept of I think she does an eloquent way of highlighting and describing the uselessness of comparative suffering right yes, and that really good that is a practice that is just don't put time there right you know people suffer and people suffer all of it's real and it, all of it's real and holding compassionate space for all of it. It's hard work. Yeah. I've got to say. And what I took away with that is Marina's had to sit in that practice a lot. She's really good at it. She's really good at it and so eloquent. And I have been thinking about it every day Yeah, since then. We've had, you and I have had serious conversations led by that conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But so Marina, thank you. Thank you. And I miss you. Um, we then had a little walk with the dogs. <laughs> that was the dog poop That thing. was the day that we're walking along and you just pull a microphone out of your pocket. And that was when we couldn't pronounce tangenti- tangentially. <laughs> <laughs> Swing and a miss. <laughs> then I had my colleague Ian on because I like talking with Ian. And that was that one was the first one where I was like, what the heck am I going to do today? And I should do an interview. And oh, here's Ian. And I like him. Let me ask him. He said, yes. He just said yes because he likes me. He doesn't know what he's getting into. And then we did it. And it was great. It was a long it was a long edit for me. Um, but that's another one where people are like, I think that there was, I've gotten a lot of feedback on that one. Really? Yeah. I think people definitely like the idea of thinking about the design world that they're in, especially since now you're not sitting and looking out at the birds in the dentist office. You're looking at an app on your phone. And these apps are, you know, they're managing our entire online existence and they're designed by people like Ian. It's you're just your online existence. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, art is the answer with. Oh, that was Janine Chadwick with the little art is the answer. That was how I titled it. Fun, right? That that was just. Well, I mean, very big, soft, juicy place in my heart for Janine and the whole program. Janine, the program. Um, I didn't even mention that Maggie ran makeup for the entire time our kids was in the program. So how not many years entire was that? time. So I. Um, 
I don't wear makeup. Let's <laughs> let's just throw it out there. You know, it has to be a wedding or something huge for me to find mascara and see if it's not stale. And well, you don't really need makeup because you're always so stunningly beautiful, oh, honey. So our kids were involved in this program, and not only is it the most amazing thing to do with your summer with your family because it's very a family event it's also affordable meaning that it leans heavily on parent hours and we had three kids in the program so i felt like i really should do three kids worth of volunteering i don't know if that was the wisest (laughs) shift but that was sort of what i was holding is i have three kids in the in in these shows and so a friend of ours came up to me and says, hey, you want to be on Makeup Crew? And I'm like, well, I can draw, but I don't know if you want me doing makeup. But it was a lot like drawing because it was face painting. Yeah. And these were caricatures and it just, it was creating face. And I took to it very quickly. Yeah. And so I was on Makeup Crew, I think for three years. I did costumes the first year because I like to sew, right? It was, it was humbling. The costume, yeah. The costuming part. You know, we didn't and really, then we did the makeup. I didn't say... And to, then I got handed the box. I didn't tell <laughs> anybody on the episode with Janine that there's about 75 children in the main cast. Usually 70 to 71. Yeah, 70 kids. That means that all of them need uh, at least one costume and all of them need makeup. And it's little and kids. And hair. And they move and they all need hair. So there is a giant group of people, parents volunteering to do the hair. And there's a giant group. Well, everybody puts the clothes on the kids before they get to the theater. But not, everybody has well, to make those clothes. So there's a whole project to make all the clothes. So there's 70, maybe probably 100 costumes made yep. each show or, or assembled or pulled out of storage. Right. There's 70 heads of hair that in some way at least gets, changed, yeah. well, or gets addressed or yeah. colored or and then there's there a hat. 70 <laughs> kids that have effectively full makeup, right? Because we do a base on them. We... Uh, put on their eyes and their lips and their cheeks. And then a lot of them are animals or monsters or, and you, how long did you actually run? How long long did you design the makeup? I designed the makeup seven times. Seven years. Seven years. And I ran things for those seven years. Yeah. So running that means the giant crew of people. How many people involved? I would have a crew of usually about 14 parents and we would train them up and I would take folks that had never done art before. And so that that was the beautiful part. So when Janine was talking about how wonderful it is to just pull these kids together and have them sing yes. and experience this, you know, uh, the hair folks, the, the makeup folks, the folks doing construction or set build or, yep. or set painting. Or front of house and all the you food know, preparation. All Ton, of it. All these people are volunteering parents. All of them right? are all volunteering. Are a it. lot of folks have never done theater before or like me, you know, never done theater makeup before. All of a sudden you're you're doing this thing with a bunch of other people that are rapidly becoming dear close friends. Yeah, it really happens. For the parents as well as the kids. For the parents definitely. as well as the kids. And it was it was just the most extraordinary thing that, you know, there'd be about 14 volunteers. And sometimes we would get uh, graduates that would join us. Wyatt did it a couple times. Our son. Uh, and watching people uh, who who maybe have never painted anything or yeah. done makeup on anything. They start like, I have no skills like this. We're like, just do this and this and this. And then pretty soon. And pretty soon they're... They're doing amazing things. And beaming, and, and the kids love it. Beaming, and the kids love it. And that was one of the best parts was 
I got to spend, you know, over 10 years with, and some of these kids, I did get to sit with them for 10 years. Yeah. Um, painting their faces to high school to high school and now they're coming back as 20 somethings and they still say hi to me in the grocery yeah, store it's pretty, i'm gonna I mean, i'm gonna same, get missed it up because yeah. that's the most amazing gift of this program is it creates a community that is just vast it's exactly what community should be right yeah it's, it's right just yeah. it's just so perfect and it's something so magical about living in the valley after we got uh, stopped recording janine and i kept on talking a little bit and one of the things she told me is that she had mentioned marilyn painter and her were working oh. on things and marilyn painter had actually asked her to kind of take over the program at some point the last time that Mar- and marilyn had been running it for years mm-hmm. in fact i think marilyn painter was involved when i was involved and my sister was involved as kids but my mother directed that one so i'm not sure if marilyn was around but in any case marilyn was this um, force of nature kind of grumpy woman who wrote tons of work and made theater happen in san Lorenzo valley and an unblue voice. She even had at the middle schools that whole the play the other the um, outsiders. Oh no the, no no! It's uh, it's at the elementary school, elementary school and it was the the oh the newcomers. the newcomers the newcomers. She wrote that and still when our kids went through it, even if she'd passed away years before, it was still being done. They were still doing. The so newcomers. anyway, the way that Janine took over writing is that <laughs> Marilyn Painter wrote the first act one year. And then was like, yeah, I don't have time to do the rest of it. Go for it. And that's how Janine took over the writing. I just love that story. And I couldn't get it into the cut. Um, I didn't have time. So, and then that's the same way that you started makeup. Someone well, kind of like got you sucked in and then Lori just handed you that makeup. Bit. Lori, I was like, so next year I'm not here. My kid's graduating. Good luck. Well, I knew she was graduating. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know I was going to take the box. When we started this, that, that particular run, I didn't know I was taking the box home. Yeah. And then you did the same for the next parent. And then you've, we've passed the torch, right? We've passed the torch as, as kids, it should be. And, and then our kids went back right before and has have actually helped the little kids. You know, um, all yeah. three of our kids have been involved in the productions afterwards. It's just fantastic. Anyway, that's Little People's Repertory Theory. We have a lot of love for that. And thank you, Janine, for doing that episode with me. I really appreciate it. Well, and I'm just going to add the little tidbit that, you know, do something for just the sheer joy of it. Okay, right. That's been our takeaway all week about this. Yeah. Is that so much, it's like, okay, yeah, that's what you've done. And then you could do more. You could always do more. Right, right. right? So that was the, what we were talking about is people see something that you've created or particularly with Jean, Janine and these amazing shows she writes that, oh, you should take this on the road or you should sell this as a something right. or you we should about on episode, make exactly. this bigger, shiner, shinier, more out there. And just sitting with what the beauty is and letting it just be yeah. has a really kind of quiet, beautiful poetry. Yeah. And if you're always pursuing for something to be bigger, stronger, shinier, bigger, What's the why? Why do that? And you're also kind of like lessening what it is already. We were watching um, Queer Eye the other day. We were loving Queer Eye, and we were watching an episode where this amazing doctor has transformed her community by opening a vaccine clinic, right? A, a COVID clinic, testing and testing vaccine. and vaccines. And it's in Austin. It's the Austin series, the most recent series, episode. I can't remember the, the doctor's name, but she's a, a mother of this charming little kid, and she. Um, lives her life to make this this uh, this clinic work. She's she's one of those forces of nature yep. that sees, saw a need in her community and 
filled it and, and and created this educational program. Anyways, she saw a need. She filled it. She she had to pour every extra yes. cent and hour. And you know this show, this show is sappy. It's designed very clinically. You know the, the show is very specifically designed to do a, a narrative of the person is doing too much, and if people love them and they don't see it in themselves, and will slowly with it through a half an hour step into transforming their life. Their hair, their clothes, their feeling about themselves and their environment. And it's beautiful, but it is a little bit formulaic for me. Okay, maybe it is. Okay. I, I like the fairy tale. I do too. I will just say that it it is. It always makes me cry. It's the kind of television you can watch and doesn't take a lot of effort. And and just to let you know, Queer Eye is on Netflix, available now. Sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't resist the oh, sound thing. The, I had played the sound. The oh. Oh, God. Oh, God. Sorry. Um, in any case, the one thing that really upset me, and I said this right during, I paused the show and said, this is the thing, is that Jonathan just calls out and says, for senator, she should be a senator. And it felt in that moment that Jonathan's saying, what you do is not as important as something you could be doing. I, I fully believe that beautiful ray of sunshine, Jonathan Venice, was trying to say she is so flippin' amazing. Yes, she can do anything. As a leader in our community, I would have profound faith in her leading our country. Right. I I think that's what he was saying, because she's that competent and that that, together. Yeah. And at the same time, you see this this woman doing this labor of love with joy and her students just so full. Her nursing students. Just Appreciation, appreciation, yeah. but gratitude for just having this amazing experience, and the, and the, and her beautiful family. Yeah, and I know it's all TV and it's shiny <laughs> no, and it's fluffy, it's real. but you really, realness. really yeah. get a very genuine feel of this person, and and it's beautiful just the way it is. And that, that totally reminds me back to Janine. I wouldn't want that program to change at all in some regards. Spread, sure. I, think, I kind of joke with her, but I see this a lot that we think because well, the success of our society is these famous people or the powerful people that all of us should be we're failing unless we're that and that's just wrong we're not failing unless we're that there was this interview did just recently and i listened to it in the car so i didn't get the name the thing she said was does something really exist if it didn't get posted for example she was mentioning her workout or or oh gosh i'm so sorry she's your colleague yes dixita um, yes. Yeah. Dixita was talking about ha- having to be producing and have to be online. Yeah. I definitely chat with her a bit about that, too. I don't think she'd listen to the Jeanine episode. And I, I know that being a person of a certain age, I don't think of my life as a curated online thing. Online. In fact, I'm. It's OK. Um, I do it enough for both of us. You do it enough. You take care of both. I know my sister only knows about my life because of you. It, it's sort of like that. It's like if the world isn't seeing it, is it happening? Right. Does it matter? And is this or like if you're not a senator, does it matter? It, yeah. yeah, it matters. It really matters. Yeah. What Janine does in our community for everyone involved, it matters. And this is true at every level. It matters that you say hello to your neighbor and you bring the package over to them. It's not like there's some like, oh, Janine's better than all these other people. That's not it at all. It's that we appreciate what people can bring to the table, and we do that consistently. 
And it's not about trying to be the superstar. Or it's performative. It's to be who you can be. And that's fine. That's good. Well, or Janine told the story about the kids singing backstage. Right. Where they just burst into song. And we're so lucky because that, that does happen. happen. <laughs> that happens in our house. Yes. So the one after Little People's was um, Transforming Privilege with, uh, with my friend Wendy. And we talked about her whole program. You know, I didn't even really chat deeply about Wendy and her life. Like most of the people I've interviewed up to that point, I, w- I was really talking about their personal experience and personal journey. But I just felt like somebody that I could really dive in about the issues of, be- you know, being a white cis person and wanting to contribute and not be too loud a voice and make change in the world to help racially diverse world exist uh, and a gender diverse world exist. It just felt like a good time to do that. So I feel like I kind of shortchanged her from the experience because Wendy's actually really amazing and she's doing this incredible thing that we talked about. I really appreciate it is, you know, it's about diving into your process and how to look at your process mm-hmm. and how how your racism was cultivated and fueled by not just maybe immediate family or immediate community, but or just our cultural cultural system. Yeah. large or your particular experiences and how they were framed to you, um, the TV you consume, the books you read, how a white person needs to tear it down and reframe and build it back up. And but empowering white people to do that because it's our responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. That, yeah. And I feel like I also this is one of those ones where I'm doing an episode every day. And as the the uh, fun a day anthem clearly states, you're going to screw up like some of them are going to suck. <laughs> and I feel like I didn't talk to Wendy as a human being enough. I already knew a lot about the content we were talking about. So instead of being the normal, really inquisitive self, because I'm scared about being ignorant of racism, like I, th- I'm fearful of that. And instead of talking about that, really about how I just kind of knew what the topics were to touch and I we touched upon them. And it feels like that episode was not as real as it could have been or, or as deep or as meaningful or as You as can good. always call her back. I know, I know. I know I could. So and the and at I probably will. <laughs> and in tandem with that, you're only getting three or four hours of sleep a yeah, night was starting to back Yeah. Right. So if you don't know this, as human beings, if you become sleep deprived, you start making mistakes. <laughs> I can look at my schedule and see how much sleep I got the night before and I can blame it on that. That's a good idea. Well, no, no, the, no. The, no. The what I'm is... saying is at that point, you've yeah. hit this thing and you've realized I can't spend four hours right. after working a 10 hour, after working a 10 hour day yeah, and doing much. an hour and a half plus interview and showing up for a meal or two and running to the loo. And sometimes you don't have and sometimes doing the dishes. <laughs> definitely that and taking the garbage out and feeding the snake. You and the dogs. We have to shoot the snake tonight. Give the snake a oh shot. god, we gotta give the snake a shot. Okay. Oh God. Uh so things I didn't yes, know in my life, see. giving a dog a shot is so much easier than giving a snake a shot. When do we have to do the dog? Tomorrow. Okay. Wait, Wednesday. <laughs> Okay. The, the have, dog you know is what? just Wednesday. Your journal will tell us. My journal will tell us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but what was I going to say? I was, oh, so at the same time you were trying to edit less. Yeah. The truth is I realized that I wasn't getting that level of of communication with connection with uh-huh. uh, Wendy. And right after the recording, I don't think it's on the recording, but right after I was like, look, 
this was great. And maybe it was the next day I texted her and I didn't get to talk to you about your parents. I didn't get to talk to you about all these other things. I want to talk with you in February. It has to be February, but I do want to talk to you and connect with you. So I don't think I'll do that on mic. I think I'll just do that personally and just connect with her again. Yeah, and connected with her in a while. Okay, so that was Transforming Privilege, the the 12th of January. The 13th of January was Non-Fungible Token Poppycock. And this was fun, NFTs. And totally different people are communicating with me about this one. And this one's totally different on on the social scene. People are talking about it on Facebook and stuff. It was just me. I didn't interview. Did you listen to it? I did. You're like making a smirk like meh. It's not the same show. Like it's totally not. I get it. And this could have just been an episode of Geekspeak. But again, I didn't have a a person and I needed to do this. And I just was able to speak myself and not interview. And then it just, but you don't like it. Is this one of the fails? No, <laughs> I was sick, and you also had to feed the kids. And oh, that was the day you were sick, right? Yeah, I yeah. think it was the day, or yeah. yeah, I think it was the day I got so sick. Anyway, I've gotten great discussions after the fact about these NFT things, and if you don't, if you're not in the hype of them, then it was a stupid episode. But if you're in the hype or you're kind of curious about it, I like it's a good episode because like don't do that. Yeah, I thought it was a really great explanation of how it works. I mean, it was opinionated by what the... It's not journalism. It was not journalism. It was it was an edup. It's totally an edup. And I, I've i always been that way. I've always considered myself not a journalist, but an entertainer, because I don't want to be balanced. I want my opinion to matter. And I think my informed technical opinion on things at this point, it's it has some merit to it. I think 20 years of covering tech means I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. But the discussion on Facebook about it, I did get a p- couple people going, really? But... Some much smarter people than me answering, yeah, really, this is how bad it is. And the thing I didn't talk about and the thing I want to correct on the TF, the NFTs is that we didn't even talk about the energy consumption problem. Oh, my God. You and, didn't even tap on <laughs> how much electricity it takes to yeah. make these things. And Scotty mentioned that to me because he listened to it. I had lunch with my friend today and uh, he mentioned it. You didn't even talk about it. And I said, yeah, but that's OK, because even without this horrible problem of energy waste, it's still stupid. So so we kind of laughed about that. But I'm pretty negative NFTs at this point. And I'd love for someone to challenge me on that so I can grow a little bit because I know there must be something that I'm missing. Because people can't like snake oil that much, right? There's got to be something to it. I don't know. There seems to always be some of that floating around. Tech. Tech. There or, really or, or just anything. I have other things I could kind of put wet blankets on around tech. And I sometimes hold it back because I feel like my podcast persona is more optimistic and uplifting. And I don't want to be a negative person. So that was more about, you know, I did that, but I don't do that often. I also feel like as an artist, I'm going to use that word to describe you as an artist, as somebody who's been making something, many things, I mean, out of metal or ethereal software, radio radio. Mm -hmm. things. This idea about intellectual property, ethereal property, non-corporeal property, and ownership and ideas has been a long-standing conversation yeah. that you've had since the Geekspeak days, early Geekspeak days, and ideas Absolutely. about copyright. Uh, after non-fungible token, we already actually spoke about this. This is the episode with Dixita, who's a colleague of mine at Netflix. And I put the intro of that and stuff about how people reach out to me because of the We Are Netflix episode, podcast. And if you've never listened to the We Are Netflix podcast, you don't have to. That's not a big deal. Uh, though, if you are interested about like 
racism and being anti-racist, there is a couple of really good episodes on that topic. Uh, not that I hosted, but other people hosted for me. But I've been doing it for like four years, as I mentioned the episode on the series. And every once in a while, someone does go, thank you for that thing. Like, thank you for showing me. And I remember when I was being courted, where I started interviewing at Netflix, and we were like traveling and stuff, and there was might be a possibility. And then somebody asked us to read the deck, and we read that deck about oh, what man. Netflix would be like. And we're like, is this possible? Like, it didn't feel real. It felt like, it felt a little bit like you were reading a utopian novel, yeah, right? Yeah. Could this really work? Yeah. Could this culture actually thrive? And you want it to, like you're reading this deck and you're thinking, wow, like this would be something else. And also super uncomfortable. I mean, I think the thing that has been the most fascinating to me to watch you go through is that process of self-evaluation and honest feedback to others. And it's changed how we talk to each other. It has. I mean, it's definitely here at home which is hard, but that that process has changed how you think and move through the world as a human. And, um, yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's profound. Yes, we have two, two puppies. Yeah, no, it has changed how we communicate. I forget about that because now it's just so kind of ingrained in me to go, Oh wait, in noticing something I'm uncomfortable with, I don't think is exactly right. Or they're doing something that makes that I notice I should mention it to them so they can improve. And I do that at work and we do that with each other a little bit now. We do that with each other. And it's hard because, but, but couched as I noticed this thing. Yeah. What are you noticing? And coming at it head on, but man, it, it's hard and it's beautiful and it's hard and it's beautiful. And if you're curious about that, that's the whole series of the Way Netflix podcast is really talking about the culture of Netflix. One of the ones that probably would be the most clear a bit about how Netflix runs differently, especially if you're a business person or you're interested in like running your business differently. You can listen to the episode that I I interviewed Reed Hastings, who's the founder and CEO, one of the co-CEOs of Netflix. And he has a book called No Rules Rules. Uh, Aaron Meyer also wrote, is co-writer with it. And I interviewed him about the book and the book itself was really interesting if you're interested in business culture. Uh, So that's a smaller audience. I I would say that if you're interested in proactive communication. The thing is, this works if everybody's on board to communicate this way. It's really hard to communicate with this way when people are not aware that hearing feedback about yourself, even if it's negative or, you know, opportunities to change, means that you can change and you can be better. If you're not willing to understand that you can change, having this kind of communication given to you is not useful. Like, well, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, it it puts you in a real vulnerable spot. Have you listened to the badass episode? That was yesterday's. I was the, I was about halfway through the badass. Your your niece joined me. She did. And your you know, niece who? Yeah, our niece. That's how I introduce her. My niece. And the thing about that was, it was Saturday, and I had kind of dragged my feet. I slept in because I was up late the night before editing, and I said, and she's like, "Yeah, I'll do that with you." And I started. Okay, great. And so we recorded and had technical problems that we recorded more. And then you know how it is when we just chat with Pearl. It's just, it's fun. It's kind of all over the place. And as it got later in the evening with this long episode, I realized I'd have to edit a long time to make it coherent or something. Or let's say that was at least my thought. So then I said like, wait, how about you just read a poem and that will be it. And then we ended up talking again. And so, you know, it was a longer night 
but it was great to hear Pearl. And Pearl is one of those people that you can speak directly to and you can say, this is what's going on for me. And as long as you're clear about it, she like really likes that. That part of the conversation didn't get in there because it was the first conversation. It was in the first conversation. A few things didn't come in. And this is one of the ones I feel like I did a disservice to her because if I had taken all of the conversation, the three hours we talked about and cut that down to a half an hour, it would be amazing. Well, so here's the crux of your journey here is that good storytelling, good podcasting. We're not Kitchen Sisters level here, but we both hold that ideal in our yeah. in our minds when we think about excellent storytelling. Yeah. And we've had the the gift of being in the presence of many very gifted storytellers. Like the Kitchen Sisters. Like the Kitchen Sisters. Who, by the way, just got all of their work purchased oh my gosh. and put into the Smithsonian, I think? Or no, the National Archive. I National thought it was Archive. the National yeah. Archive. Which is so great because... Or was it Library oh. of Congress? Oh, I don't know. Anyway, it's going to l- l- exist in perpetuity for the public for Amazing storytellers. Yeah. Look it up. The Kitchen Sisters. Oh, they my Lord. A, yeah, amazing stuff. I think that gets us to the crux of what we were going to sit down and record on these microphones, which is it may be impossible to self-produce hours and hours of content every day and do it well. You know, that's I think that's your uh, desire is to get me convinced that that's true. I'm still like loving what I'm doing, even though I'm not sleeping. I, I wouldn't say that you're... That's true. Earlier today, I was like, why am I doing this? I, I, you, <laughs> did you hear me when I said that? <laughs> I did. I, 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 hear you, I hear all the yous talk about this process. I mean, you're, you're loving making the connections. You're getting to talk to some people you haven't talked to in a, in yep. a long while. Yep. One of the takeaways that we say is, oh, my gosh, people are so amazing. Oh, my gosh. People are so amazing. People are just the wonderfulness, the, the depth yeah. In which people care and explore, and that, that was that was one of the things that happened with Exceda, right? I'm having a one-on-one with her because she's new at Netflix. We're kind of talking about the joining, all that, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Hey, this topic's too interesting. Can we switch over to a public view of it?" Right? This is just a random person that I know through work that we we're just talking, and all of a sudden, we're diving into how she thinks about the world, and it's just as rich and engaging as everybody else. Like everybody's like this. Everyone. It's just fantastic. Which means have a good conversation with somebody. Anyone. Be vulnerable. <laughs> it's really important. Uh, one of the things that we I mentioned with Pearl, I did a lot of, I felt like, uncle explaining to, to Pearl at the end of it. And I almost cut a lot of it out. I thought, no, I'll just be transparent that I'm I'm like that. Sometimes I describe how a light bulb works. That just, that just happens, right? Annoyingly so. <laughs> he really does know how a light bulb works. He could build a light bulb and he could probably refashion the aspects of a light bulb to do something that, else. That's the thing is I'm not very good at that stuff. I just happen to have a mental model that kind no, of works. No, you're good at we're that ta- stuff. I, I was talking, was, was it with you that we were talking and I described, oh no. my. Fr- so the, the other thing that's happened <laughs> in the last couple of days is that these conversations have made me more engaged with wanting to see people and talk with people. And I, we have stuff to talk about. We're really excited about some of the ideas that have come out of this and the effects it's had on us, you know? And... Like, for example, really cherishing that Little People's Repertory Theater for the San Lorenzo Valley, the Santa Cruz Mountains, is a cherished thing that everybody should experience. And and it it's amazing. Like, really understanding that in my heart. I've always kind of like, that's a great program. It's a great program. But now it's like, no, it's one of the reasons why you live here. 
Like it's really an important person. I, I know somebody who moved here <laughs> for it. For it, she actually basically moved here to do that. No, she <laughs> she she moved here to do the program. So what's happened though, because with it's all kids. engaging, and I'm interested in all that, is that now I'm having conversations with friends that are not on mic because sometimes it's not polite to say, "Oh, this is a big intense thing. Let me put a mic in your face and make this public." So I've had three conversations with people that really mean a lot to me in the last couple of days that I didn't record. And I consciously like had the gear around me and decided, no, it's time to connect with this person without mediating, without making it public, without putting it on the internet. That's good too. Well, <laughs> the conversation matters, even if it's not on the internet. That's right. <sighs> connection matters. Well, connection matters, but it's, matters. it goes back to that question. Did it really happen? Does it really exist? Does it have value if it's not posted? And yeah. so like, yeah, yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> while talking to Pearl and and Uncle Splaining to Pearl, uh, which, by the way, she forgives me for that. She likes hearing my crazy ideas. One of the things that came up is she said, it feels like people are getting stupider. And I said, actually, it's kind of like people are getting smarter. And I couldn't think of the study. And thank goodness, Morgan, my sister Adriana's eldest, in where is he in the world? Taipei. No, Taipei. Taiwan. Taiwan. Okay, that's right. Taipei. Yeah. And so he's he's in Taiwan and he texts me in the middle of the night because that's when he's awake compared to us. And he says, it's the Flynn effect. What you're looking for is intelligence getting smarter is called the Flynn effect. So I thought that I would read a bit of the Wikipedia entry on it. The Flynn effect is the substantial, substantial and long sustained increase in both fluid and crystallized intelligent test scores that were measured in many parts of the world over the 20th century. When IQ tests are initially standardized, they use a sample of test takers. They take that sample, and by convention, they make 100 be the average of that sample. So let's say you test 1,000 people. You give 1,000 people the same IQ test, and then you score them, and you look where the center of that group, the, the biggest distribution center is, and you say, that's the point, that's 100 points. And then you deviate off of that uh, 15 deviations, which gives you your IQ point of like an IQ of like 16 above 100. So 116 higher. Anyways, that's the IQ thing. What's happened though, uh, um, so their average is 100. So the issue with the Flynn effect is that the test score increases have been continuously and approximately linear from the earliest years of testing to the present. For example, a study published in 2009 found that British children's average scores on the a progressive matrix test rose by 14 points from 1940 to 2008. So the, the point here is that the points are going up. So if you took you take the test, we still have the test from 1942 or whatever, and we give it to a child today, the average, you give it to a thousand people, the average would be instead of 100, it'd be 114, which means that everybody's getting smarter compared to those tests. They're getting better at those tests. It's called the Flynn effect. We're not really sure why it happens. And it's really interesting. There's a lot of proposed explanations of the Flynn effect, such as the rise in efficiency of education, right? Along with good nutrition, potentially, right? Maybe the population is just getting better. But this deviation changes even in uh, people with a lot of wealth from 1942 versus people from a lot of wealth here. So it seems like it's not about that. But the other thing that's what really did interesting... You, wait, what yeah. did you mean by wealth? Meaning that uh, if it's nutrition-based, you would assume that a population that had a lot more wealth would have a deviation based on... Uh, that that wouldn't vary as much because nutrition changes weren't as drastic. Nutrition changes mostly from a poverty base to a wealth based, right? So you you eat better when you're wealthier most of the time. Maybe not in, in the theory. US, there's too much sugar. But anyway, so there's lots of ideas of this. But the thing that's also happening, and this is the reason I didn't put this in at the end of the episode because the episode was already there and long after I'd researched it and I was tired and I want to go to bed. 
is that we've actually seen a reverse of the flood effect. It's started to shift and it started to deviate down. And again, we're not exactly sure why. So it's really, I mean, intelligence is really complicated anyway, but this makes it doubly so, I think. So what you're saying is the mean scores have been scaling in the downward direction. Yeah. I'll read a little bit more. Some research suggests that there may be an ongoing reverse Flynn effect, i.e. a decline in IQ scores in Norway, Denmark, Australia, Britain, and the Netherlands, Sweden, Finland, and German-speaking countries, a development which appears to have started in the 1990s. So it has been that every 30 years, 40 years, whatever, or 60 years, the IQ is going up in average. And now it looks like in some of these countries, the IQ is going down in average. Is it the same IQ test? Right. So they they rebuild an IQ test. So the IQ test that they have, they rebuild every certain period of time. So the Winchester uh, Intelligence Scale for Children, WISC, originally developed in 1949, was updated in 1974, 1991, 2003, and again in 2014. And each time they did that, they did a giant sample of people. They took the mean, they set it to 100. But then if you take the 1974 test and you give it to the kids in 2014, they score a little bit higher than the children of that day. So the entire population is theoretically getting better at IQ. But then the question is, well, what the heck is IQ? And the thing is about IQ is it's testing abstract thought. Like that's what it's actually doing is abstract thought. It's not practicum, right? It's not like, hey, you know, do the dishes and then you do it well, right? It's none of that. It's like abstractly, if you had this object in space that exists in this three-dimensional way and you rotated it this direction, what would it look like? It's very abstract. And the thing about our societies from the 1940s on is our general understanding of the world has gotten more and more abstract. We now have metaphor in our daily communication that isn't representational of what it really is. Like the internet communication style, all of that stuff, there's a lot of abstractions there. And so we talk a lot more abstractly about the world in general. It's less about, you know, the town that you're in and all the things you see and more about, well, in New York, it's like this or in in this other area, it's like this. You think about the world more abstractly, everything's a little bit more abstract. So maybe we're just better at abstraction now because the world has taught us to be that way. That's one of the proposals of why the Flynn effect happened. And or maybe people are becoming far more um, specialized earlier with the advent of the internet. You can dive deep into whatever your interest is. Interest yeah. is. I, mean, I think I don't know if that's about IQ though, more about education. I mean, we were the other day we were debating crossword puzzles and Sudoku. And Sudoku won. Sudoku wins for me all the time. But Maggie Hoogs, thank you so much for doing this lunch with Lyle in the evening. This update. I think we call this supper. Wasn't this going to be like 20 minutes and it's been an hour? It's been an hour. Wow. So do I edit it at all or do I let it all be the raw the way it is? I think it's called fun a day and therefore you should have fun. I enjoy editing, Maggie. I know, but I love it's, it. It's the magic. It is the magic. Think how smart. And I can think sound. of I can think of like twenty areas where I would love to cut ninety percent of what I said away. <laughs> Isn't that like a metaphor for life? That's a metaphor for editing, <laughs> oh, sound editing. It's so tricky. I don't know how people do video editing. I I just it's hard. I marvel. It's pretty it's, great. It's got to be harder because. Visual cues and anyway, storytelling rabbit hole. Well, I love the people that around me that edit. Um, 
I'm just thinking about people that have spent the time doing that. Like, for, thank you for doing the Geek Bits so long ago oh, and making those things awesome. You're welcome. And I want to thank Bonnie for years of editing stuff and making things awesome. There's, there's, Bonnie Premch is me. I should there's call Bonnie Premch. There's an artist. You should I call have to, Bonnie. Okay, good. Call and Andrew. the kilt. And the kilt. And, and you could talk about watering systems and their property. <laughs> I invite you to let me know about uh, people you think I should interview. I love hearing from people. My email address is lyle at troxel.com. If you want to say hi to Maggie, please feel free to email me and I will say Maggie, hi to Maggie for you. <laughs> Um, you don't have to get onslaught of email. And of course you can hit me up on the socials. I'm, I'm just Lyle on Twitter and I'm Troxel on Instagram and I'm Lyle Troxel on Facebook. (laughs) It's hard not to find me. Um, You can hit me up on Lyle's social. (laughs) I I tell people to follow you on your account because of the butterflies. But then I realized after you have a private, sorry, ladybugs. And then I realized after you have a private account. account. That's right. Because on our walk, we haven't show. we haven't even broached my antithesis of social media participation to well, yours. Tell you what, next time we uh, it's late at night and I realize I need to do an episode, I I welcome you to tell me all about your antithesis of uh, social media. No, no, I my participation is the antithesis to your participation. Oh, how different we are in our public's ways. Yeah. Yes, probably because the way we were raised. Maybe. Should we have a therapist join us for that conversation? Maybe. Good night. Do you want to say good night to the people? Oh, good night. Or, and or happy lunch. Enjoy. Good night. Thanks, dear. <laughs> oh, I didn't like that. That's not <laughs> no, really no, fair. That's I creepy. Edit that one out. That's creepy. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you.